0: you're all here today as we start this new series, The End Times. It's a three-week series. We're going to just hit the high points on this, and then we have uh, another awesome series following that. But as I was growing up, as I'm sure you did growing up, you've heard about the end times. You've probably heard terms like the rapture or uh, the antichrist or other terms uh, Maybe through a book series. That's what was really big when I was growing up was this book series on the end times and uh, movies. Oh, tons of movies about it. And it made me wonder, how in the world do they know what's going to happen? Because as I was reading my Bible, I wasn't seeing all those details. And I thought, how do they know that? And it made me kind of a little uneasy. Uh, What what actually is going to occur? And about the time that Steve and I were uh, having our children... About that time, the pastor of the church we were going to started preaching a series, and he was talking about all these reasons why he believed Jesus was going to come in the next year or two. And at the time, I was pregnant with our third child, and I thought, well, how is that going to work if Jesus comes <laughs> and I'm still expecting? So and I, I was really confused. It worried me a lot, and I, I thought, I just didn't, couldn't quite figure that out. And today, the world around us is in a state of fear over a lot of things. There's, there's the threat of nuclear war. There's violence all around. There's terrorism. There's global warming. And people who don't know God are really fearful. Because it looks like even without them being told by us. It looks like things are not doing so well. And is this coming to the end? Even followers of Jesus. Even people like you and I get anxious. And wonder how in the world can we know What's happening in the world, and there seems to be a lot of confusion. We could fast be approaching what Jesus talked about—the end of the age. And if you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew 24, we're going to use that as our anchor passage today. Matthew 24—it's—it's it's about this far in in your Bible. You know, it's the first book in the New Testament, and uh, we're going to start at verse three in chapter 24. As you're looking for that, I just want to talk about, you know, if you, if you look online and you, and you Google end times, you see a lot of stuff, a lot of prophetic voices talking about why they think we're in the end times or near the end times. And even in secular music, there are words of songs that sound like that. Tina Turner, those of you who, you know, know Tina Turner, that's going back a ways, I know. But she says, we are the children, the last generation. We are the ones they left behind. That just sounds a lot like stuff I'm reading in the Bible. And she says, I wonder when we are ever going to change living under the fear till nothing else remains. So as we look at this series, I just want you to take a moment here. And this is a a, a group discussion question here. Turn to someone near you and ask them, why is it important for us to know what the scripture says about the end times? So... Just talk amongst yourself there, Uh, take a minute or two. Why do you think it's important for us to know what the scripture says about the end times? Okay, so have you, have you, anyone have something they want to share a, a quick sentence about? Why do you think it's important? Yes. Important to be prepared and to help others. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else have anything else they want to add to that? Lily. Same thing, but really you have to work yeah, it is important, and those are really awesome reasons. It's important for us to know the scripture. Because God's word tells us and gives us clues about what can hap- what will happen. In fact, in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, the letters to the churches and every single one of them, it says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is the spirit of truth telling us what is going to happen. Now, if you want to know what the end times will be like, and where we might be in that timeline. Obviously, we can't know exactly because he doesn't say at this time in this year and this day. But generally speaking, as we read the word, we can get an idea of what God has in store. And from the beginning of time, God has had the last things in mind. Even in the Old Testament, there are verses, when you read them, you can tell these are about Jesus' second coming, this is about the, uh, the end times. So it's throughout the whole Bible. And when Jesus speaks in Matthew 24, we're going to read this here in just a second. He's actually in this passage talking before the cross, and he's telling him about the end times. He's telling him the things that will come. He's saying, you know, it's not going to be just right immediately, but you need to be ready for the time of my appearing. And he repeatedly emphasizes that his coming would be both sudden and unexpected and gives them some indicators in this passage of what's going to happen before that. And so these are indicators not just for the disciples he's speaking to, but they're for us as well. So chapter 24 of Matthew, starting at verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming And of the end of the age. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back and get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or in the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whenever there is a carcass, there vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken." Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things... You know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So in this passage we've just read, the disciples come to Jesus, and they've got questions, and they're basically asking three things. When will it be? What will be the sign of your second coming? And what will be the signs of the end of the age? And the definitions of those things, the end of the age and the second coming, are not the same thing. The end of the age its talking about the end of that age of of the church age, the end of the time of the gospel being preached, ending with what many people call the rapture. And then the uh, the end of the second coming, then, is the end of the seven-year tribulation that follows that rapture. And that's also called the day of the Lord. And that's the return of Jesus Christ's second coming. So to understand the answer to that, we need to look at another passage too and factor that in because we always want to interpret Scripture with Scripture. To understand Scripture, we take other passages of Scripture. We don't take books and current events to help us know what Scripture says. But we interpret Scripture with other passages of Scripture. And then we look at the current events through that lens of the scripture. So turn with me then to Daniel 9, starting at verse 20 through 27. Daniel 9, 20 to 27. And there's a timeline that's being given here. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man or the angel I had seen in earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 72 sevens, so 69 sevens it will be rebuilt with streets in a trench but in times of trouble after the 62 sevens the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing the people of the ruler will come who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary the end will come like a flood war will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed he will confirm a covenant for many for one seven, in the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So this timeline here is talking about that word for seven in Hebrew is shabua. It's talking about all these cycles of seven, uh, seven years, seventy uh, sevens is. 490 years, and according to what this passage describes, for Israel, there's 483 till the time that Jesus Christ, the anointed one, is cut off. So that many sevens have happened. 483 of the shabuahs of the sevens have occurred. And there remains another Seven there is still another seven, but as we read this, we see this is not just directly following the time of christ this is uh, there 's this parenthesis that God has put in there 's this time, this break in the cycle of sevens that is now the church age, the time where the gospel is being preached in all the world to all people and giving them the opportunity to know Jesus christ and Then it says that um, after that time, after that parenthesis. The clock begins to tick again on that last segment of seven. And he says, and the end will come like a flood in Daniel. And the signs of these end times right now that uh, Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24 are becoming more and more prevalent, more and more intense. And he, Jesus describes them like birth pains in Matthew 24 because when you give birth, uh, women all know this, and most men are aware of it too, but when you're giving birth, it starts out with a contraction, right? And the first contraction, maybe there's not another one for a little while, and then as you get closer and closer to the time of of birth, the the, uh, birth pains become more frequent, they become more intense, and more uncomfortable, right? And so as this is Coming along, these labor pains or birth pains are more and more until we finally have a baby. Well, today, Jesus describes those signs, those uh, events that he says will happen before um, these different things like his return for the saints, for the rapture, and before the end of the age before then the second coming those things that he's describing as we look at it we see it's becoming more and more intense I mean every day when you uh, look at your phone your smartphone do you not see a list of things that are happening like things like terrorism or things like violence I mean they're more and more rampant it used to be that you know it wasn't on there every day every day something two three things bad happening in the world and so we see that these are getting more intense. These signs are closer together. And Luke 21:28, Jesus was saying, When you see all these things come to pass, lift up your head, for your redemption is near. So he's saying, yes, we don't have the exact day and time. It says in another passage that the angels and even the Son do not know when that time is for him to come and return. But the Father knows. And so the things we are given are indicators, things that we need to look at and say, yeah, it's not, we don't know exactly when, but it seems like these are getting more intense and closer together, and we need to be aware that our redemption is drawing near. So the signals, more frequent, more uh, prevalent. And every Bible prophecy that was given to happen before Jesus' return for the saints has occurred. Do you know every sign in the Bible that is given for uh, Jesus' return for us for the rapture has already happened? All of those things, the other ones that remain unfulfilled are all pointing to the second coming, the final chapter. And Daniel tells us in Daniel there, there's 490 years, 483 Then the anointed one or Jesus was cut off. And then there's this parenthesis, and that's where we are right now today in that parenthesis, waiting for that next thing on the clock to start beginning and Jesus in Matthew 24 he's telling him several different chunks of things this is not all about before the rapture in the first verses 4 through 8 what he's telling him there he's telling him about false Christ deception wars rumors of wars nations rising against nation a famine and earthquake in various places. Those are things that he's telling them are signs that the rapture of the church is near. Okay, And these signs then are pointing to the event in 1 Thessalonians four sixteen and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And that word, that phrase caught up, that's the Greek word harpazo, and it means to be snatched up with great force or just quickly snatched up. And the Latin Vulgate of that word, when they translate it into Latin, is raptus. So raptus is the same word in Latin, as the Greek word harpazo, and that is where we get the word rapture. So people who say, well, rapture's not in the Bible, it's actually in that first Latin Vulgate of the word of God is where that word comes from. But we will definitely be caught up to meet the Lord in the air at the end of the church age when Jesus returns for the saints and brings them back to heaven. And that trumpet call that it talks about is like the assembly call that the ancient israelites had it's the assembly call for us as the saints of god those who are in christ not just dead but alive all of us the, those who have died in christ those who are alive in christ will be caught up to meet the lord and this is the first resurrection with the judgment for believers at that time but for rewards Because Jesus paid the price for our sin, we are not judged for our sin. Because that's been taken care of when we're followers of Jesus Christ. What we're judged for is the things we did in the body, it says in the word. The things we did as we serve Jesus Christ, we're rewarded for those things. In Numbers 10, it says that the trumpet was sounded when the people of Israel were to move out from the camp and to move to a new place. Numbers 10, 5, and 6 says, When a trumpet blast is sounded, the tribes camping on the east are to set out. At the sounding of a second blast, the camps on the south are to set out. The blast will be the signal for setting out. So when Jesus comes to receive the church for that time that is referred to as the rapture, there'll be this trumpet call that is the sign, the signal for us to set out to meet him in heaven. And when that occurs... That then starts that second seven, that clock ticking that is known as the tribulation. And at first won't be that bad. It'll seem like a time of peace with the Antichrist. But I tell you what, it's not going to stay that way. And if we think evil and deception are bad now, just wait till that time. It's going to be horrible. Uh, second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4 says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's talking about the Antichrist, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. This is what it's talking about when it talks about the... um, Abomination, he goes into the temple, and in the most holy place, he sets up an image of himself, it tells us in Revelation, and so this is a, a, a the man who proclaims himself to be God, and there's, it tells us in that verse that there's a holding back of that um, The power of the Holy Spirit is here right now as we're in this age of the church, as the gospel is being preached, as people are having opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. There's this time where the Holy Spirit is there to draw us in to know God and to equip us and and strengthen us to be able to follow Jesus Christ. And when the church is raptured out, that influence, that holding back of the evil, I know it sounds hard to believe there is evil here, but there is a holding back of how bad it can really get. And once that's gone, then the Antichrist is revealed. In Second 2 Thessalonians 2.7 it says, For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. So once the influence of the Holy Spirit is removed, there's going to be a global, dramatic occurrence that's going to take place, and this man of lawlessness, this Antichrist, will be revealed and will be put in power. See, when people reject the true Messiah, when they reject Jesus Christ, they open themselves up to the false, and they're more easily deceived In Matthew 24, verses 9 to 14, Jesus gives this complete overview of the tribulation. In Revelation, it talks about 144 Jewish evangelists who come to follow Jesus during the tribulation and lead people to Christ. And in Matthew 24, it's talking and it's saying that those people will be persecuted, will be put to death, will be hated by all, and will be betrayed. There's going to be false prophets, deception will be rampant, increased wickedness, and yet it says during that time that the gospel is still preached to all the world. How awesome, God's still reaching to draw people to him through Jesus Christ, even in this time of the tribulation. And then in verses 15 and 16 that we read in Matthew 24, it talks about Jerusalem during this tribulation time. It talks about that abomination, what will happen, where he goes in and desecrates the temple of God. And then the last three and a half years, that happens about midway through because it tells us in Daniel 12, 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. And that's about three and a half years. So right in the middle is where the Antichrist really shows who he really is. And at that time, the wrath of God starts being poured out, and people are dying, and and there's judgment coming on the earth, and people are still not turning their lives over to Jesus Christ. The ones who have turned to him have turned to him, but the ones who haven't, actually, their hearts get harder and harder, and they curse God instead of turning to him. And then at the close of the great tribulation, we have the second coming of Christ. And it says, all eyes will see him. In Matthew 24, verse 30, it says, then will appear the sign that the Son of Man, of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. You see, when he is revealed for who he is in glory at that second coming, the reason the people mourn is that they realize who he actually is. They will see him as he is. It's spoken of in Revelation 19, in verse 11 through 16, it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sharp sword with which to strike down the nation's. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then, what follows, going further in Revelation 19 through 22, we find that after this second coming at the close of the tribulation is the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ, the millennial reign, followed by a second resurrection with the great white throne judgment, where that's the judgment of Satan and all who followed him, those who rejected Jesus Christ, and they are sent to their to hell. And uh, the lake of fire, it talks about in Revelation. And then we have the new heavens and the new earth. So the signs that Jesus talks about in here, and we can read in other other gospels of words that Jesus gave These signs are increasing in intensity, and the world is becoming more and more like the one Jesus describes before the rapture. So how do we know how to interpret these signs as in Matthew 24? How do we, as we're reading the Word of God, how do we interpret it? Well, in Matthew 24, verses 32 to 35, let's look at that. Let's read verses 32 to 35 again, and it says... Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. And so what he's talking about here, he's saying that there's a couple of ways to know. One is that the fig tree Uh, Gets tender and leaves come out. What that's talking about is Israel. The fig tree as we know throughout the Bible. The fig tree refers to uh, the nation of Israel. And Jesus is telling him here. When this is young tender tree. Then uh, that means that the end is near. Summer is near. He's saying be careful when you see that. Well in 1948. The nation of Israel came to be again. And it's 70 years old in 2018. And so it's still young. And he's saying, when that happens, be alert, be watching. And then he says, even so when you see all these things. So it's not just the the thing about the fig tree. It's everything. When you see all these things happening, you're going to know the end is near. It's prevalent. It's right at the door. So what do we do with these signs? What difference does that make for you and me? Let's... Just ask that question. What what difference would that make? Anyone want to say what difference does that make to you? To know these signs. Yeah, 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 we got to be ready. Yeah, anybody else? What difference does that make to you as you live your life? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, so as we look at the Bible we need, we need to have some keys in mind How do we interpret? The first thing is what I said before We want to let scripture interpret scripture There's going to be people that will say what they think And they're making assumptions And then uh, from those assumptions They're getting into speculation When you get into speculation When you're taking the word of God And you're making assumptions about what it says On your own And even with looking at different stuff And then you get into speculating, you can get into confusion and error. So be careful with that. Let scripture interpret scripture. That is the key to understanding it. And the second thing is we want to take the text literally unless it clearly says it's symbolic. And the golden rule of Bible interpretation is this. When the plain sense of scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. So as it's clear in the scripture what's there, and it's, and it's obvious to take it literally, like when Jesus says wars and rumors of wars, that's what we take it to be. And when it says Israel in the Old Testament, it's Israel in the New Testament too. Um, then the third thing we want to do is pay close attention to the context. Look at the context it's written in. What's being talked about in the passage? Who is being talked to? Who is saying it? We want to look at those, all those things, who, what, when, where, why, all that stuff we learned in, in school to look at what the context is. And in Matthew 24, he's saying when all these things come to pass, he's talking about several different things. So we need to factor all of that in. And then what do we do with it? Like what you were all saying, the very end. Let's read those last few verses there, Uh, verses 36 to 42. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, and one will be taken and the other left. So what he's saying is it's going to be a normal day. People are going to think things are just going on as normal. There's, you know, there's not going to be like a big bunch of, like, lead up in the newspaper saying, Hey, guess what? He's saying it's going to be like like when Noah was building the ark and the flood came. People had been warned. People had been told. No one knew the exact day. And on just a normal day, it happened. And then he says, therefore, verse 42, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So the takeaway for us today is this. We need to keep watch. We need to be faithful, and to keep watch means that we need to be a student of the Word of God. We need to be daily reading in the Word and meditating on it, meaning that we're thinking about it. We think, well, what does that mean? How does that affect me? What do I do with this? We need to pray and ask God each day as we read His Word for understanding. Be ready to meet the Lord, because it could come at any time. And then he says, But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. See also that you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is faithful in the wise servant, who the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? So he's saying we want to be faithful as well. Be faithful. Don't allow the world around us to dictate our standards, to dictate how we should think. We want to uh, go to the word of God and live according to what the word of God says. Don't go by what somebody else tells you. Go by what the word of God says and you have to be in it reading daily to know that. And ask God to show you how should I be living. Ask Jesus Christ daily, to be Lord of your life. As you leave in the morning to go to work, say, today, God, be Lord of my life. Jesus Christ, show me how to live in a way that honors you. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with his power and with the uh, the things you need for that day. Each day we want to be ready, we want to be faithful, living that faithful, obedient life. Because that's how we finish strong. I mean, as we've looked at these signs... Who knows, maybe next year, maybe tomorrow. We don't know when the coming of the Lord is for the church. And so we want to be ready for that time. But here's the truth of it. Even if it's many, many years away, there's a chance that you could die in your life, right? Whether it's the rapture or death, someday we stand before Jesus Christ And we want to be ready for that moment. We want to have him as the Lord of our life. We want to daily put on that armor of God. And we want to do something each day, as was mentioned. We want to let others know. I mean, these are, Noah went around and told everybody, hey, guys, there's going to be a flood. And and he got mockers and scoffers. And we might say, hey, guys, we want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We want to be ready. We want to accept him as our Lord and Savior. We want to tell people and help them in their journey of faith. And we want to trust Jesus with all that we do. Would you stand with me as we close? We're going to talk more about some of the things that are in here in the next couple of weeks. And you won't want to miss it. I, I encourage you to be here because we want to keep watch and we want to be faithful. Would you just bow your head? And uh, no one looking around. Today, part of being faithful is having Jesus Christ Lord of our life. And if you've never really done that, you like the following Jesus part, but you've never really surrendered your life to him and acknowledged him as the Lord of your life, I encourage you to do that now. If you want to say, you know what, I I need to make Jesus Lord of my life, would you just raise your hand? raise your hand thank you let's pray lord god i thank you that you have touched our hearts today and lord we don't do this out of fear but because we really want to know you we want your power and your peace in our lives lord jesus we surrender our life to you you are our savior your death and resurrection gives us that opportunity to have that relationship with jesus christ We just surrender our life to you, Lord God. We ask that you be the Lord of our life, not just our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just keep your heads bowed still, um, maybe you've been distracted by other things, and there's things that have kept you from listening to what God is saying to you. And you need to hear his voice. You need to read his word, to look for what God has for you each day. You want to keep watch for what God is doing in your life and in the lives of others around you. And you want to live ready. And if that's you, if you say, yep, I want to live ready, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you that your word gives us indications that the time is near. Thank you that your word shows us that when we follow you, that we don't go through all of that horrible stuff while we have to live in the signs leading up to it with wars and rumors of wars and all the violence Lord at some point looks like soon you pull the church out and so father we want to be ready to meet Jesus Christ whenever that is whether it's a rapture whether it's at the end of our lives Lord God we want to be ready we want to be faithful we want to keep watch we want to share the news with other people and so father We just commit this to you. We thank you, Father, for the strength that we have through the Holy Spirit to be able to follow you each day. Lord God, I pray that as we read the word as we think about it, as we pray about it, Lord, that you would just change us more into the image of Jesus Christ, that you would speak to us each day, that we would hear your voice clearly. Lord, that you would remove the junk the enemy is trying to tell us and that we would hear what you are saying. Lord God, I pray that your word would be living and active in our lives, that we would hear, that we would be obedient and we would be faithful in Jesus' name. Now, Lord God, I pray your blessing and your favor on each of us as we follow you. Lord, equip and renew us in Jesus' name. Amen.